0: Welcome to Salem First Assembly Podcast. May this week's message by Pastor Brian D. Corkin be a blessing to your life in helping you to grow in your understanding of God's Word, strengthen your faith, and equip you to become all that God has created you to be. Praise the Lord. Let's do that again. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, look at your neighbor and say, Are you ready? We're going to take the last message on the series. 2001 is done. What will you do in 2022? What's the matter? 2001. 2000. Oh, 2021. <laughs> yeah. See what? See what you did to me, Keeler. We started going way back to 2002. <laughs> 2021 is done. What will you do in 2022? You know, when we uh, look at that, we see how fast time is flying by, right? And when we also recognize that when we have a new year, most people want to change something. We want to change what we're doing in life, or we want to get life better. We should make changes. Changes are really important. And when I looked up that New Year's resolution, how many you remember what I, the number? One billion. One billion, 260 million hits on a search engine, for people looking to change their lives. That's crazy. That's crazy. But do you and I understand that if you really want change in your life, you have to go to the one who is the great changer, who changes hearts. And when hearts are changed, so will be your path. Your path will change when you get connected to that very one who created you. My title of the message today is, Are You In It to Win It? The second one, if I, I struggled with this one because the next one was, let's arise to the prize. God has given us a race to be done. He has placed you in to be a contender. And you and I must realize that. But we have to ask ourselves, have we grown spiritually? Are we growing spiritually? Are we growing closer to God? Physically, are we taking care of our bodies Are we eating right? Are we exercising? The body that God gave us, are we taking care of that? Because if we don't take care of the body, when the body's not feeling good, guess what? You don't feel like doing much. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So we have the real battle of spiritually. What are we going to do to change in our lives so we grow spiritually? What are we going to do physically so that we do something in our body that makes us stronger? We start doing those things. What are we going to do financially? And this is important, too, of our finances. Am I going to spend more than I make? Am I going to be really a good steward of what I have with what God has blessed me with? Am I going to give my tithe? Am I going to put God first in my finances? That's very important if God's first in your finances, because he gave you the finances. But more important than that, what am I going to give? It's not about you getting, it's really about you giving. We have a world that has a system, it's all about get, get, get. God's system is contrary to that, it's about giving. And then of course, lastly is emotionally, and this is so important to be healthy emotionally. And this is your strength of mind. This is where you have control over your emotions. You don't have control of your anger. You don't have control of these emotions that can send you for a trip. But you start growing in God and stability starts to come in where emotions are not leading you. They're important. They play a part. But you've got to be careful that they don't lead you. So today, as we talk about if you're in it to win it, we have time I was going to bring a bunch of clocks. I like clocks. I, I do. I used to make clocks. And um, one time I made, um, I think, it, what was it with the Black Sea with the Benjamin. Um, Yeah, that's right. It was Ukraine. That's next to the Black Sea. And I made the country of Ukraine and stuff. And I had the Black Sea on the pendulum. And I used to make all these clocks. Matter of fact, the missionary I gave it to wanted it. And um, it was where he, they were mission, where he was ministered to, doing all kind of good works. And I like clocks because clocks remind us, remind us, time is ticking. Time is ticking. Stop for a second. Your, ti- your, your time off your life Just went. Just went. And so when we look at that, 24 hours, 24 hours, 1,440 minutes in a day, or 86,400 seconds in a day, it happens and it goes quickly, but every second is precious because in those seconds, God has given us the ability to live, live, not just for ourselves, but live for God. Time is something we live, but we never have enough of, does it? We give it so easily away. Sometimes we take time and we can just give our time so easily away. And it's not until you get older to you realize how precious a second is, how precious a minute is. Why? Because the time is coming to an end. Now you're starting to say, oh, this is precious time. Can I just say, if you're young today, see that you're young and that's a gift and don't waste your time. Invest your time. Someone say, don't waste it, invest it. Time may be free, but it's priceless. You can't own it, but you can use it. You can't keep it, but you can spend it. And Once you've lost it, you'll never get it back. I may take $100 and make $200 with, but my time, everybody gets the same amount of time. No one gets more time. So time is one of the greatest things you have. So I want to ask you something. Are you going to be in it to win it for the Lord Jesus Christ? The things you do, are you going to be so focused, so focused on all the other things but what God has called you to do? Because honestly, saints, let me just say something. When you're doing what you're supposed to do and the gifting God has given you, that's when you are the happiest. So let's take a quick journey before we get to our message We were talking about Paul, and Paul is in writing to the church of Philippi. Philippi has false teachers that are in there teaching the doctrine of salvation through circumcision. And some of these men's had what you could call a good past. They have good credentials. And Paul's talking uh, against these individuals. There's a conflict going on between the teachings of Paul and the teachings of those that were leading people astray. In the midst of all this... Paul starts to talk about his past simply because Paul had a past and he was just giving accreditation to say, you know what, if anybody has something to boast in the flesh, because he was making an argument that salvation can't come from the flesh, as the ritual of circumcision was so connected to the law. And so you need to understand that your flesh can only do so good. But when the Spirit of God comes into this body of us, this is where God takes you to another level. Look at your neighbor and say, I want to go to the other level. Come on now. Let's quickly go through what we have, have done. Look at your Bibles here. Philippians chapter 3, verse 4 and 6. Paul the apostle had a pass. It says, if anyone else thinks he has reason to put confidence in the flesh, I'm more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel on the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal persecuting the church and for legalistic righteousness, faultless. I-, I want you to understand, he had a past. Someone say he had a past. You have a past. You have decisions in your past. You have circumstances in your past. Some are good and some are bad. In his past, He mentions a lot of good. But do you also notice he doesn't leave out the stuff that's not good in his past? He's talking about, I had so much zeal that I actually did this. I persecuted the church. I actually, and if you read your scripture, you'll see that he threw people in prison and he's even accounted for part of the murder of Stephen, a deacon, a godly man. You see, he had a past and not everything in Paul's past was good. You have a past and not everything in your past is good. And so in order to get forward, someone say forward, you need to deal with the past. And Paul is teaching us today, today we're going to look at eight things that we can learn that Paul teaches us about dealing with our past, our present, and our future to move forward. We recognize, Paul also recognized he had a past, but he, in Christ Jesus, he had a promise. In verse 7 it says this, But whatever was to my prophet, and he just recently told you all of that, his past was, was to his prophet, I consider it lost for the sake of Christ. For what is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ, Jesus, my Lord, who, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them, consider them rubbish. And you know what rubbish means? It's dung in the language. That I may gain Christ. And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteous one that comes from God by faith. He's just saying, you know what? I have found the promise that's so good that all I want to live my life, I'm not concerned about my past anymore because I found a better value system and if people can understand the value system that they live by we live in a world today that you say you, that you're not a success unless you got this and you got this and you got this and you got the title you got you know god measures success differently let me just tell you god measures success different you know how god measures success faithfulness whatever he's called you to do to be faithful at it, it's a it's a beautiful uh, story of a man who God that had a dream from God and the, and the dream said, I want you to go to that giant boulder that's in the middle of the road and I want you to push on that boulder. And so day in, he pushed on the boulder. Day out, he pushed on the boulder. It went from weeks, it went from months, it went from years. After five years of just pushing on a boulder, he had another dream. And it was the devil. And said, you know, you've been pushing five years on this thing. And what have you proved for it? What have you done for it? And he was just discouraged after that dream. So that day, he did nothing. He didn't push on the rock. He didn't go to the rock. He did absolutely nothing because that dream just just discouraged him. The next day, he had a dream. And this time, there was a conversation he was having the dream. And he asked God, God, why did you make me spend five years of my life just pushing on a rock? Pushing on a rock, day in and day out. And what do I have to prove for it, God? And, God? and the Lord just answered, son, son, it's not been a waste of time. Let me tell you what's happened in those five years as you pushed. As you pushed, you strengthened your legs. As you pushed, you strengthened your shoulders. As you pushed, you strengthened your character. As you pushed, you never gave up. As you push, you continue doing obedience and faithfulness to what I asked you. I just asked you to push on the rock. I never asked you to move it. And now that you've been faithful for the five years, you are now prepared. You are now prepared for what I have you, for you to do. Because what you have gleaned in these five years is what you need to continue to your next realm. You see, we don't think... That what we do sometimes is successful in God's eyes, but you need to put on the eyes of God, the heart of God, to understand what God sees and how he sees it. And he does things different. Look at your neighbor and say he does things different. Paul the Apostle understood it, that his past was no longer going to hold him. His past was no longer going to uh, uh, give him the accreditation. He's going to run for Christ. He's going to see. And he wants the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ. He knew he had a promise. He knew he had a past. But the promise was greater than his past. And it brings us to the next thing we talked about was the Apostle Paul. Now he's living with the right focus. And the only way you can get a right focus, you've got to get the right stuff in you. Look what it says in verse 10, 11. I want to know Christ, the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sharing and his suffering, becoming like him in his death, so somehow I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. Paul's desire, Paul's mission is now living a life with focus. I know what I got to do. My life is to glorify God. My life is to know God. You know, if we were to take that and say, you know what? I'm going to spend that time with God. No matter how crazy, no matter how busy you get, you're going to take time. Do you know how many times I am struggling with, I have to spend, I want to spend my time, but I also have to do this, this, and this, and this. And I feel in my mind, if I do this, I'm not going to get that done. Has anybody been there? I have learned, I have learned, when I do the most important stuff first, I ended up not only doing what I need to do, but sometimes I do so much more. And I say to the Lord, Lord, how did that happen today? How did I get that done? Even though I know better that when you put the Lord first, he helps you with everything else. Let's learn how to be in it to win it. Because look at your neighbor and ask them the question, are you in it to win it? We have to... How many ever watched the uh, the thing on TV, the little show they had, A Minute to Win It? So they had these games, and you have one minute, and you try to win it. I, I love that. I think the games are great. But life is like that, because you only have so much time in life. Thank God it's more than a minute. <laughs> Thank God that God gives you a year. That's quite a few minutes there. Uh, I want you to understand that We have to learn to press in the time God gives us. You know, things get tough. Things take place in life. Sometimes we are hit with some things in life that can really send us for a loop. But God has always told us to not get our eyes on what we see, but who we know. Someone say that that to yourself, to get your eyes on who you see and who you know. Not on who you see, but who you know. Because who you see can sometimes bring you down, but who you really know in the name of Jesus, that can make all the difference in the world. Now, let's look at this portion of Scripture. It's found in, found in um, let me see, hold on one second here. Let me, I should, yeah, that's where you want to go. Verse 12 to 14, look what it says. Because the Apostle Paul has a daily plan. Now that I have already obtained all this, or have I, Not that I have already attained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward a goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Now, I like using LTLs. Many, many years ago, when I was doing my first sermon, I always said, lesson to learn. And then I said, oh, LTLs. And so I've always looked at the LTLs of life. What is the lesson to learn? whether Whatever it may be, what is my lesson to learn? What is God trying to teach me? What is God trying to say with me? I want to talk about the first one we learned from the Apostle Paul. Let's talk about eight things. You have it on the outline, on the back of your... Um, bulletin there for your notes. So f- take a pen and see what you can add to it. And eight things that we can learn from the Apostle Paul life to bring godly change to our life. And the first one we find in 12, and it says, This, not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, it simply is number one, the first one is. No one is there yet. You're not there yet. The apostle Paul's not there yet. He simply said he's not there yet. He has not been perfected. And at one time in Scripture, he says he doesn't even judge himself because he knows there's a higher judge. Paul admits that he's not there. Now, there's two types of people. There is one person who will be so quick to say, I'm not there. (laughs) I'm not there. Boy, I'm so far from there, it's not even funny. Matter of fact, I can't spell There. But that's not the way to think. None of us are there. We're all at different spots. And that's okay. Different spots of learning. And some often, just because we, don't, we feel on ourselves, we don't match up. Well, I don't match up to that, man. I must be way over here, far from God. Oh, that's the devil just lying to you. You are on a sanctification process. Everybody is at a different spot. You and I must be patient with other brothers and sisters who are at a different spot and love them right where they are so you can take them to where they need to be. The Apostle Paul has received his righteousness through Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul has a relationship with Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul has received forgiveness and is standing righteously in the eyes of God, and he's saying, I'm not there yet. He's still learning. Look at your neighbor and let him know you're still learning. Sometimes, sometimes, you know, we're afraid, we're afraid to let any, anybody else know, I don't know the answer to that question. Well, let me tell you something. If you've been around me enough and asked me a question I don't know, I don't have a problem telling you I don't know that answer but i can find the answer it's no problem nobody knows everything this times when i'm with people who know something about something you know what i do i shut up and listen so i can learn and it's so nice to have people who know what they're talking about because they teach you so much faster how many love computer programs right Hmm? anybody How many times you go to a new computer program, I've been learning so many new stuff, and it's so outside my realm, and so it takes me longer to learn, but once I get it, man, I get it. Once I do it, I've done it, and it feels so good to accomplish, but it's so nice. When you're working out, some come along and says, well, you could do this, you know, Well, you could do this, or you could do this, you're like, I've been doing this so long. Sometimes we can learn what they call shortcuts. And those shortcuts are helpful because they get you there faster. Paul, the apostle, is letting us know that he's not there yet. So why do we get so stiff with ourselves? Why do we always kind of insult ourselves? Why do we say, you know, you know what, Lord? You have so many better people than me. I just feel like a crumb in the midst of the floor, off from the table. I'm not connected to the whole loaf. Woe is me. That's not how God feels about you. That's not how God feels about you. God's crazy about you. Just remind somebody God's crazy. God's crazy about you. God's crazy about you. Alex? God's crazy about you. Yeah. Oh. He's going to get a test. You've got to get a test after this. <laughs> Look what he says next. Look at what he says next. He said, not that I've already obtained on this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus has spoken to me. I press on. How many of you have ever quit in the midst of pressure? It's too hard. It's too tough. Man, I'll tell you what, saints. That's so easy to quit. But the Apostle Paul says he presses on. He continues. He has an attitude that he's not going to quit. So many times when it's tough, we quit. But if you really want to grow, if you really want to be honest with yourself, you don't quit. Could you imagine a person getting into the kitchen one day, make their first meal, and they burn it? That's me. Burn it. I burn toast. I over overboiled water because when I went back to it it wasn't there no more. I don't know what happened to it. It was in the pan. I don't know. I don't know if someone dumped it or not. I do not know where the water went. The thing is just because you know, you're not good at something doesn't mean you can't keep working at it until finally you become better. And let me tell you something. I'm going to tell you something right now. I am the best person in boiling water. I can do it good now. Really good. I pay attention. <laughs> But in honesty, you know, the truth is that sometimes we quit. God don't want us to be quitters. He wants us to pursue it. And Paul the Apostle, if you read his life, he had a lot of problems. He had a lot of stuff come his way. He had a lot of people do some really nasty things to him. And he didn't quit. He didn't just pound his hand and say, I said, God, this whole thing, I don't want nothing to do with this. They're not nice to me. No, he stood in it. He was in it to win it. We have to take that attitude to be in it to win it because God, it's important to God. So many times people quit because they put so much pressure on themselves. There is a syndrome called the perfection syndrome. And sometimes people try to appease God by, by trying to be perfect. And if, if they mess up, they just like, I, th- I can't do it. And they just they leave faith altogether. Sometimes people do the same thing in relationship. You see, you have to realize, you have to realize that God takes you right where you are and God says, okay, saint, okay, son, okay, daughter, let's go, together. What did, God, what did the Lord do to Peter when Peter failed? What, what, how did the Lord treat him? Did he say, ah, forget you, man, I spent all this time with you? Man, you don't even know, you deny me three times? We've got a friend of you! Did anybody read in it, uh, ever read in that? Did anybody read that? No, I, uh, no. I did. You remember Jesus coming to Peter and saying, started yelling at him? Yeah. I thought you were my friend. Man, I can't believe it. The time that you need to show up, you weren't there. I don't want nothing to do with you. Did you hear Jesus saying that? No, he, said <laughs> he did lunch, yeah. Yeah. And then gave him a little encouragement, like Peter, feed my sheep. Peter, feed my lambs. Peter, feed my sheep. That's what I want you to do. Be in it to win it, Peter. And it's amazing. It's amazing what took place in Peter because Peter becomes an incredible vessel, especially when he was baptized with the Holy Spirit. There's a whole different Peter shows up. Whole different Peter. You see, you and I need to remember that God's love for you is not based on your behavior or your performance. God's love for you is not based on your behavior or your performance. God's love for you is for you. Someone just say, for me. You have to tell yourself this. Because you have so many other people around you telling you all kind of junk. You have to realize who your Savior is. You see, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Because he loves you. He loves you. Look what we can learn from verse 13. So we realize that, verse 13, there's one thing he he, he decides to do. Let's read it. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. I I want you to get this. This is is the thing that I, I, I really try. This is something I do. I try to take one thing that I need to work on. Now when I make my list, my list has a lot of things. But I can't do all the things because then I'd be discouraged because you can't do everything. You can't make changes like everything in your life, you, but you can take one thing. But you got to ask yourself, what is that one thing that's most important thing in my life right now that could be, that will cause a great difference in my life? you got to ask yourself the same thing. What is that one thing? What is that one thing? Paul now gives us instructions to plan a target plan of one thing. Paul's saying, you know what? You know what? There's one thing. One thing I do. I don't consider to be there. I'm not there yet. Even though I receive all this revelation from God and all of what God has done. Oh, so awesome. But I'm still not there yet. Isn't that amazing? That no matter what God does in you and through you, you're still not there. The humbleness of heart recognizes that. So, what is that one thing in your life? Let me challenge you in two areas. Okay, here we go. Two areas. Write this down. The first challenge I want to give you is reading your Bible in a year. Reading your Bible in a year. Going from Genesis to Revelation. Let me give you some math. If you look at the statistics on a normal person in their reading, this is just looking at a normal person's reading, to read the Old Testament, it will take you 52 hours and 20 minutes to read the whole Old Testament. Genesis to Malachi, 52 hours and 20 minutes. I want you to understand that it will take you 18 hours and 20 minutes to read the New Testament 18 hours and 20 minutes to read the New Testament. If you bind them together and round it off, it will take you 71 hours in your lifetime to read your Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Now I want you to understand something. Uh, God's given us 24 hours in the day. I'm going to give you 8 hours for you to have a good night's sleep so that you're not cranky. That will give you 16 hours to your day. We're going to times that by 265, and the amount of hours you have in one year is 5,840 hours. And it only takes 70, I'm going to give you 71 hours to read your Bible. Why haven't we done it? I want you to understand how many hours, 67,840 hours in one year, but it only will take you 71 hours to read from cover to cover, 66 books. Now you may be slower reader, I'll put on 85 hours, compared to 67,840, we have a lot of hours, don't we? So it's not really, it really comes to our love for God, our discipline to do something. No one's gonna discipline you but you unless you put yourself under someone like a coach that will discipline you. I want you to look at the aspect. So so here's the question too, to challenge you. So that, when look at the scripture, of course, for me, number one is spiritually because I think spiritually is so important that it affects everything else. You don't deal with the spiritual aspect. I think it affects you in every single area of your life. It's all relational. So let me ask you this. Name one thing right now on your paper with your pen. Name one thing in your life, just one thing, one thing that will that will strengthen you if you did it this year. One thing that could guide you in the right direction, deepen your relationship with God, deepen your relationship with friends and family, or bring a continual deep peace and joy to your life. What's that one thing? What is that one thing that if you did, it would bring a difference? Paul knew his one thing. Paul knew his one thing, and it was, it was to know God, to know his power of his resurrection, and even to identify with the suffering. Paul knew his one thing. He was pushing his whole life. If you, when you read the letters, you can see one man who was transformed. He was all in. But Paul shouldn't be different than you and I. People say, well, that's the Apostle Paul. Yeah, so? There's no difference between the Apostle Paul and us. I'm sorry, you can put a difference, but we're all called. And we have so much more Being of the New Testament church today and understanding of what we understand, God is still speaking. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We like to give ourselves an excuse. But the difference between us, if there is a difference, is that he was totally all in. He was really someone who wanted to make a difference for the cause of Christ. That's all God asks us to do right where we are. Look at the next one here, the fourth one. Forgetting what's behind. This is an important one because so often people are always thinking about their faults in there. And when they messed up, well, God can't use me. Listen, I could say the same thing. God can't use me either. I have plenty of faults and mistakes. You want to verify that, Paula? (laughs) We all do. So don't give the excuse because if you look for one, you'll find one. You see? We're all all under the sanctification process. Forgetting what is behind. The dangers of living in your past is that it will affect your future. The Greek word to forget is to loose it from the mind. No longer carry your past with you because God is more concerned about your present to give you a future. But you cannot, you cannot have a future in God when you carry the trash instead of the truth of God. It is the truth that sets you free. But if you want to carry trash of all of your past and all of your hurt and all of your pain, you cannot receive the truth of God. Forgetting what's behind. The devil loves to remind you of your faults, but Romans 1.8, 1 says, there's no condemnation for those in Christ. If God is saying there's no condemnation... In those in Christ, and you're in Christ, why are you listening to another voice that's just trying to condemn you and bring you down? Because you're not focusing on the truth of God. You're carrying the trash of the past. That's why it's so important. Listen to the words of Paul, much older now, in 1 Timothy. Listen to his words, and listen to the wisdom and the understanding of his attitude of being in it to win it. 1 Timothy 1 verse 15. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves all full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me the worst of sinners. Anybody out there? Any of you worst of sinners? Come on, put your hands up, your legs up. Yeah. Can you identify with that? The worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. Now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, and only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Isn't it wonderful? Paul calls himself the chief of all sinners. And here's a man that wrote almost half of the New Testament church inspired by God. The New Testament books. It's amazing how God used him greatly. But if you were to look at him where he first started, he was a terrorist of the church. God wants to do transformational work in God's people's hearts, but people's hearts have to be all in. You ever tried to feed an animal that doesn't want to eat? You ever tried to give an animal medicine that doesn't want to receive it? You ever tried to clip an animal's claws when they don't like you to clip their claws? Man, you got all this fighting back, kicking back, running. I mean, you know, I remember doing it to my child. You know, back then they didn't have flavor in medicine. I, some of you can understand this one. And so, you know, we, our kids had some issues growing up. God did a great work in healing each one of them because each one of them had some serious, well, almost two of them had some serious things. Justin and Aaron, they had some serious things. Justin had a kidney problem, and Aaron had a colon problem that was serious. Um, But I'll tell you this, God touched both of them, but in the process, trying to give them medicines and like this and trying to fight with a kid to get the medicine down. You know that funny saying, it only takes a spoonful of sugar, get the medicine, go down. I tried the sugar, it still didn't go down. Most of the time, more, more medicine was on him, us, and the floor than it was down his throat. It's the same thing. When we fight against God, God can't do what God wants to do because we have to change the way we think. We need to be individuals that we have to forget the trash of the past and we really have to stop pushing towards the truth of God. And that's what Paul did on a continuous basis. He was in charge of his thoughts. He was in charge of his emotions. He was in charge of his spirituality because he put himself where he was supposed to be because he was listening to the Spirit along the journey. And when the Spirit of God said something to him, he did it. And when you find yourself against a battle, someone say battle. The Word of God gives us what we need. James 4, 7 says, submit yourself to God and resist the devil and he shall flee from you. That's not a maybe, that's a guarantee. We have to take the Word of God. It is authority in the Word of God. And we have to put our chins up and walk strong and don't let the saber-toothed tiger that's been teeth been pulled. He may have a big roar, but he has no bite when it comes to Jesus Christ. Sometimes people so often get fearful of the roar and fearful of all this and that, and we forget the authority of Jesus Christ. Don't make me preach, boy. Don't make me preach. It's about forward motion in God. It's about forward motion of God. Look here. I love this part. The fifth thing we can learn. Straining towards what is ahead. You know, so often we get distracted, and I know this so well. Just the other day, I was studying. And as I had a question, I was doing research. This happened two days ago, researching something. And so I wanted to hear some stuff and read some stuff and watch some stuff. And so I went on YouTube and I saw this title that said, um, Hippopotamus unfairly kills lion. Now, when I think about a hippopotamus unfairly killing a lion, I had a problem with that title. And sometimes that's called smart advertising, because if a title catches you, you'll go for the title to say, what does that mean? What are they trying to, they trying to say? So here was this hippopotamus killed a lion because the lion was trying to eat him. <laughs> and when the hippopotamus finally got a hold of him in his mouth, it was over for the hippopotamus, over for the lion, And there they show this poor lion laying down dead. And if they thought I was to have the sympathy for him, after watching him trying to, him and his friends, kill the hippopotamus, that's another thing coming. It was an unfair fight. I think what was unfair was the title of that YouTube. But what happened is it distracted me. It distracted me from what I was doing. And the devil wants to distract you any way he possibly can. And you need to recognize that. That's why we need to strain forward. We need to push. You know, if there was 40 mile an hour winds today as you came to church, what would you have to do to get to church? You would have to really put your your stuff in and and really push. You have to strain forward. That's the Christian life. Christian life is to strain forward. There's going to be obstacles. But when things get tough, you know what We do. I don't like this. This is not easy. I don't want this anymore. I want, I, want it. I want something else. Christianity is never easy. We've had a section in our country where it's been easy. And we've gotten really comfortable. But if you look at Christianity in the time when the Scripture was written, it was difficult to stand for Christ. And Paul the Apostle was willing to put his life on the line because he believes in what he believes. And it was going to be seen as behavior. We need to really step it up. If we believe in prayer, we're going to pray. If we we believe in reaching people, we're going to talk to people about Jesus Christ. If we believe in the message, we're going to do something for the message. Because, you know, one day it's over and we cannot be the evangelist. We cannot be the ambassador that God has called us to be. We have time. We need to be in it to win it. We need to be... Working while it is day. Don't look at everybody else doing the work. Well, I'm tired. We're all tired. I don't feel like it. We all don't feel like it sometimes. Don't give yourself the excuse. Because if you do, you take it. Every single time. Einstein, first law of motion, said everything continues in a state of rest. Unless it is compelled to change by forces impressed upon it. Here's my clicker. Unless I have the force within me, nothing's gonna happen. The force is not great in that one. <laughs> but in order to move this, there's gotta be a motion to move it out of the place of rest. God won't move you unless you allow him to move you out of your place of rest. Your heart to be moved is first in you. God's not going to force you to do something. It has to be willful to do it for him. Why do you do it for him? Because love. Look at your neighbor and say love. It's always love. So how, how hard do you strain to get to know God? I mean, honestly, in the 67,840 hours that you have, how much do you strain? How much do you really give God attention? How much do you really want to know the one who created you and everything that you see? If I wasn't a preacher, my life wouldn't change. It's just the only thing that would change is on Sunday morning, I wouldn't be up here. Nothing in my life would change. I would still read what I had to read even if I had to get up early in the morning. Because when I worked 80 hours a week, I still did what I was supposed to do and enjoyed it because it was relational, never out of duty. There's been times I worked way, way, way too much, 20 hours straight sometimes, and still found myself in church, found myself reading, doing it. Now, did I fall asleep sometimes at church? Yes, I I did. Because I hadn't slept all for 24 hours, sometimes even more than that, I nodded off at work once in a while illegally. <laughs> sometimes that happens. The reality is, you have to have a desire in your heart to do those things, and it comes from you. Hey, don't don't get wrong. I, I don't get don't get me wrong. Is I understand we get tired, and that's okay. But don't be tired. Don't be tired when it comes to. Doing something for Jesus. Find out what God wants you to do and and strain towards what's ahead of you, what God wants you to do. Look at verse 14. I press towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Jesus Christ. I press towards the goal. The sixth one is press towards the goal. Arise to the prize. What's the goal? What is your goal? What are you pressing? What are you living for? I had to ask myself that many years ago. Brian, what are you living for? At one time, I would have told you all of the things of this world. That was my goal. That was my plan. And trust me, it would have happened because I was going to make it happen. I had a plan. I had some gumption. But when God came in the equation, boy, that changed everything. Changed everything. I no longer wanted to study for my licenses, I no longer wanted to work in the trade, I no longer wanted to make the you know, three-figure digits and all that stuff that comes with it. I said to myself, God, I'm all yours my whole life. Here's the blank piece of paper, God. Fill it as you want, not what I want. Next day I found myself, next day, someone say next day, next day I found myself in Bible college without filling out an application for the school. They accepted me on the spot. I didn't want that. No way. If they would have said, you want to come? No, don't want to come. But they just said, no, we want you here. We feel confident with you. And I'm like, I can't believe it. They accepted me. I don't even think I even paid a fee. And if I filled out any application, it was after, when my school was already started, they finally said, hey, we never got an application on you. And then I probably filled it out. That was a God thing. When I gave God a blank piece of paper, he filled it. He filled it. And I sold everything. Everything that I had. And I liked the things back then. I had the things back then. I had them at 16 plus. What am I trying to say? I'm trying to say is that you need to have a focus on why you're here. And make it about eternity. Not about you or I. Make it about God. Because that's the only way you find contentment. That's the only way you find joy when you say, God, here I am. Paul was all about the things of God. That's how we all should live. He pressed, he pressed through the mess. He kept going forward to a goal. But if you have no goal, if you don't know where you're heading, then guess what? You're just walking. But the goal has to be his goal. Because I believe with all my heart, God has called. And when God God's called, you can bypass your call. Because your call, your call will always be adapted to changing lives and eternity. It's all about eternity. I press, I press towards the goal. So what are you pressing for? What are you you really pressing? I mean, how hard are you pressing towards God? I've been with a lot of people over the years and sometimes there's a lot of ambition that comes with things, but sometimes the ambition is more about what person wants versus what God wants. When God finally got a hold of my heart, I had no problem letting everything go. And trust me, I had some things I was very fond of. You don't You don't just let things go when you build them from scratch. But that's exactly what happened. I turn, I press towards the goal. Check this out. He wanted to win the prize. You know what the prize was? The prize was the Lord Jesus Christ. The prize was what Jesus Christ had in his hand. The prize is that all through scripture, God tells us there's rewards and he even says that I'm coming back with rewards in my hands. Can you imagine this? Every one of you, every one of you wants to be a winner. And if I had right now, and I was going to do this, I got so close to doing this, I was going to have you sign your little name up there and pull a little thing and then pull some out and have a wonderful prize. And I said, oh, they'll enjoy that. One of the prizes was, you know, private fishing trip with Monty and, and Ken. to teach you how to catch fish. We well, wouldn't want to give that up. <laughs> <laughs> and so, But then all of a sudden I thought, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. The rewards God has is because of what someone has done. It wasn't about grace here. His rewards are not about grace. His awards is given to us because of what we have done and appreciated His grace and mercy. And I said, oh Lord, that, guess that wouldn't work then because they haven't done nothing to win something. But everybody wants to win something. Everybody wants a reward. Well, the Bible is full of it, and Paul has a goal. Paul has a prize. And, And it brings us to this wonderful portion as Paul's talking in 1 Corinthians. Look with me. Read with me in chapter 9, verse 24. Do you not know that in a race all run is run? But only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. What type of training are you in right now? They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, do not run like a man running aimlessly or do not fight like a man beating the air. No, no, no. I beat my body and make it a slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified from the prize. Paul is in it. And even when the pressures and even when the storms and even when it's raining and even when you get all the mess that happens in life, he's running toward the prize. He's straining ahead to make it work. James 1 tells us, verse 12, Blessed is the man who perseveres on the trial because when he has stood the test, he will receive a crown of life that God promises to those who who love him. So Corinthians 2 Corinthians 2.9 says, The eye has not seen, the ear has not heard, nor has it entered into the mind of man the things that God has for those that love him. You see, we have to start thinking the bigger picture. Some people are going to get into heaven, and they're going to get to heaven by the skin of their teeth. That's what the Bible says. Once they tried by fire, they're going to get to heaven, but just by the skin of the teeth. Let me tell you something. I don't know about you, but I just don't want to get there. I want to get there And I myself really want God to say, you know what, son, you ran the race well. Now watch this. We don't have to be perfect in a race. Don't let the devil lie to you. But have a heart to want to please God and work for God, and God will take over from there. Give God the room. Look at your neighbor and tell him, give God the room. On verse 14, it says this, I press towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me, heavy word in Christ Jesus. This is important for all of us to understand is that there's no doubt Paul's understanding what happened to him in his encounter in chapter 9 of Acts. But he's pushing because he you know he's called. And each one of you, when you get to know Jesus Christ as your Savior, and you have, there's a call on your life still. There's a call on your life still. I don't know if you ever thought about it, but there's a call on your life. God has just not saved you. God wants you to be salt and light to the day you die. Salt and light to the day you die. That means you're sharing and you're caring. You're living, you're doing. You're making the life out of the time God's given you. You're not just existing or just existing through the day. Ephesians 1. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which you are called. He has called you. The riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and the incomparable great power for us who believe. Someone say great power. That power is like the working of his mighty strength. We need to realize there is a mighty strength. And until the day we stop breathing, we need to be what God's called us to be. And we can learn a lot. We can learn a lot. Just remember, we're not there yet. No one's there yet. Paul wasn't there. You're not there. To keep pressing forward. One thing. Find that one thing to do. Forget what's behind you. Forget about the things that didn't go well. Whatever it is, that sometimes brings you down. Forget that. Focus on that one thing. Strain forward it. Go ahead, press, press. Go with an unction to function to win the prize that God has already called you heavenward to call. Don't get so settled into life that you miss the real purpose of life. We all want to go to heaven. But getting there is just not the only story. It's making a difference. It's making an impact. After you're gone, how long will your impact be felt? That's why it's important to touch the next generation, care for the next generation. That's why it's important why Paul the Apostle really took on Timothy. It's tough today. Our youth need so much help, but they also need great friendships. They need people to pour in their hearts and life to just simply care for them, to know that they're loved. We only have so much time, and this upcoming year we're living right now, we're almost done with a month. And it will fly by, and at least if you're not intentional by putting things down on what you want to see different, do something. What do you want to do in the area of your spiritual life? What do you want to do on your physical life? life? What are you going to do with your financial life? What are you going to do with your emotional life? What are you going to do? Set it down, write it down, get a game plan, keep the game plan in front of you. Because if you do not plan, you will plan to fail. Because you need a plan. God is a God of plan. He created everything you see with incredible wisdom. But make plans, that's his plans. Make your ways his ways. And watch what God will do in you and through you. Can you stand to your feet? Lift your hands to heaven. Those watching online, I'm going to ask you to lift your hands to heaven. Just lift your hands up as an act of surrender to God. And if you don't know Jesus Christ, you just ask Jesus right now, right now, come into, come into your life. Ask him to forgive you. Those here, ask him to forgive you. Ask him to come into your heart and life. And right now, just give your life to him and walk in his ways, walk in his ways. Ask him to forgive you of your sins and say, I want to live my life for you. For those who are believers, I pray the message challenged you. I pray that even as you listen to it again, it will stir you to change by the spirit of living God. That the time you have, anything is possible with the time you have. Father, as we surrender our hearts to you. Lord, as we surrender our faults to you. God, as we surrender those things that distract us, hurt us, the things that we continue to bring and remind us in our mind, those things that really we need to let go of our past. So, Lord, we invite you into the presence. So, Lord, you give us a blessed future. Because our hearts, our desire is to please you in every way, God. And so this day, this day, God, Our hearts are lifted before you. Our hands in surrender. Will you do a work? Will you do a work? As we do our best, may you do the rest. So Lord, I pray right now a spirit of pressing on. A spirit of straining towards you. A spirit to know the surpassing greatness of you, God, would come upon your people that as they immerse themselves in you, God, that ministry would flow from them wherever they are and whatever they do, and that you would bless them and that they would be your light and your salt in Jesus' name, amen. Give him some praise. Hallelujah. Well, we thank you for joining us today. Let's continue to believe that God is going to do a work in all of our lives and in his church despite our current circumstances. If you would like to support the ministry of Salem First Assembly, you can do so by mailing to 430 Route 45, Salem, New Jersey 08079 or by visiting our website at salemfirstag.org. Please join us for service next Sunday at 1030 a.m. or you can watch service every Sunday afternoon on Facebook at Salem First Assembly or YouTube at Salem First AG. You can also listen to the message every Tuesday on Podbean. Have a blessed rest of your day. Let's remember to be a blessing and that life is living in faith every day.